Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. It is time for Small Business Fuel. Today's episode is brought to you in part by ARC, American Reprographics Corporation. If you print with it, print on it, or simply want it printed, head on over to arcinatlanta.com. Or better yet, reach out to Mindy Godwin personally. Tell her that Lee and Stone sent you direct line 770-394-2465. And now, here are your hosts. Well, welcome to Small Business Fuel. I'm your host, Paul Wilson Jr., as well as my co-host here is... Talisha Farrow-Jackson. Wait a minute. You're the host and I'm the co-host? When well, did you that You let me change? talk first this time. So. Okay. Okay. I was just checking. <laughs> you see, I see what happens when people get a little, yeah, little bit of power. A little they power. Just kind of take I see over, that. So. You give him a mic and turn it on and this is what happens. <laughs> I'm the co-host. <laughs> and of course, we're with the UGA Small Business Development Center at Georgia State University. And this is uh, a new venture for us, Small Business Fuel. And our whole goal is to uh, bring on some inspirational and and educational guests um, that can help to inform our small business community so we can assist them with growing their business. And so today we have a, a very special guest on this show. So, Talisha, I'll let you uh, introduce her and Aww, as we get started. Thank you. It's Winning Women. That's right. We have a winning woman on the show with us the, today. And uh, she is the co-founder and president of Amazing new corporation, I will say, and it is. And so we'd like for Lara O'Connor Hudson to uh, step up to the mic and talk to us a little about her company, what she does, who she is, and sure. how she's making such an impact here in Atlanta's small business yes. community. Well, you know, my company, what it is and what I do really grew out of a need that I had. Um, I've been a serial entrepreneur my whole life. In fact, I started my first company in third grade. Wow. Um, and it was growing and my mother killed it. <laughs> she said I had homework. Killer. She did. <laughs> and I right. still remind her of that. Right. Um, I, our company was growing and we were selling more and more. And finally, my mother was like, uh, you have homework. <laughs> so we're done. <laughs> and so, that's right. right. So, but my whole life, I've always, I was an engineer by background and I love impossible problems. So if someone tells me that everybody has that problem, right. I have to solve it. And so I had gone around, I had started a services business. Um, when I became a mom, I started a company called Nourish, where we invented a spill-proof bottled water for children. Mm. And we were growing that business. And as we sold into larger and larger companies, it just started to take a really long time to get paid. And I remember sitting in my car one day and crying by myself, head on the steering wheel, thinking, I'm doing everything right. I've designed a product that the market wants. I've got great customers like Whole Foods, et cetera. I'm shipping truckloads of product across the country. I mean, I should be on the cover of Forbes, right? Like right. that was my vision. <laughs> you checked all the boxes, I mean, right? I'm yeah. doing everything right here. <laughs> Except that my customers were taking, you know, months to pay. And everybody said, well, Laura, you just have a working capital issue. Everybody has that. Ding, ding, ding. Wait, Hello. you just said that everybody to an engineer. Everybody right. has that. Sounds like a well, problem Why solved. does everybody have this problem? Right. You know, if I walk out of a grocery store and I don't pay, I get arrested. Yes. So this idea that you should get my good or service and pay later is is something we've all come to assume is the quote unquote cost of doing business. Right. But really, why? 
Why is it right. the cost of doing business? Accepted. Yeah. Why is it yeah. accepted? Um, you know, small businesses all the time say to me, well, I get paid on time. I get paid in 30 to 45 days. Dude, that is not on time. Right. You know what? Um, you just said do. That's probably that's, where the idea do that. came from. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, on time is I give you product, you give me money. And so I, I was looking for solutions and I looked at, you know, typical lending solutions, but that really wasn't solving the problem. Right. It was covering up the pain, but it's kind of like my knee hurts, so I'll take Advil and now it doesn't hurt anymore. But if I go for a run, it's hurt more. It hurts, right. yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, that's not really solving anything. And then I looked at factoring and all of these things required me to have a liability on my balance sheet or in the case of lending to sign personal guarantees. Oh, yeah. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way. And I was sitting at lunch one day and it occurred to me that that restaurant never waits to get paid. Hmm. No, nobody ever thinks about that, but I did. Um, this I'm, restaurant I'm, I'm, never I'm waits to, to get paid. Me. That's right. See, I was going to say, exactly. <laughs> waiting to get yeah. paid. Right, Thank right. you for the sandwich. <laughs> Just send me an invoice. Right. I'll pay you at the end of the month. Right. But you know what? That's the way it used to work. When I was little, mm. my mother, every month after my dad got paid, we would go to the Riches store to pay the Riches bill mm. and the Macy's store to pay the Macy's bill and Thrift Town to pay our account. Oh, yeah. And so the reality is that is the way retail used to work. Right. But the Put credit the card yeah. system changed all that. Right. So you don't open a tab anymore. You hand over an Amex. Correct. And they get paid immediately. And when and if you pay your Amex bills, not their problem. If you don't pay your Amex, Starbucks does not get charged back for that. Right. Right. And so I thought that is so interesting. Credit cards allowed retailers to grow because they don't have to wait to get paid. But credit cards just aren't used in B2B very often and right. certainly not for large purchases. So we created Now Account, and it is the first payment system that feels like taking a credit card even when there is no card. Right now. Right now. So if you deliver your good or service to another business or government and they say, send me an invoice, right. you send them the invoice. But if you'd like to get paid immediately, you just process it on your Now Account. You get paid the full invoice amount immediately minus a one-time merchant fee. So it feels like a credit card, like like a a credit card, card. but your customer didn't give you one. So they still get their invoice. They still pay when they feel like it. I used to say I was going to write net never on an invoice. It won't change anything. (laughs) (laughs) Net 30 does not mean 30 days. It's just a suggestion. Oh, I'm so so using that. That's right. So so you still send an invoice. They still pay when they feel like it. An average net 30 invoice pays in 60 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. And most people don't know that. So if you're going into business and you send an invoice that says net 30, it's really be ready right. for 60. 60. Yeah. And so this allows you to get paid immediately. It's your actual revenue. So you don't owe anybody back. You can hire more people, take on larger contracts, invest in your business, and you have no debt. So your business nice. grows more sustainably. It's like living in fairy tale land. No, it's now land. It's It's now land. land. Right. (laughs) And, but the nice thing is your customer doesn't change anything. They procure the same way. They contract the same way. They don't actually do anything different. So what's different for you or, uh, when vetting that client or that clientele? Like, what is it that you look for in a business in order to determine them a now account? So we can approve about 60% of businesses in the United States. And if the if you think you are interested in a now account, you just go to our website, you tell us your business name, your business address, the state you're organized in the year the company was formed and the type of entity. And we run what's called a small business failure score. It's not DNB. It's not anything self-reported. Okay. Um, as long as you have a qualifying score, then you can have a now account. 
And, you know, oftentimes a business might just be six or seven months old. They still, they might have a score. And sometimes we get people come to us that are a couple of years in business and we can't find a score. Mm. And typically that means that you started your business with your personal credit cards. Ah. No, 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 no. And a lot of businesses do that. (laughs) No, 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 no. They're still functioning or running on personal credit. And so that's why we partner with SBDC so much is very often then people say, well, wait, how do I get a score? What do I do? And it's very simple, but it's just things they weren't, they didn't know to do. You don't start with your personal credit cards. You get a little corporate card and buy some paper and pay it off on time and establish a history of good behavior. And and that history can start pretty quickly, but you got to start. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And and so you mentioned, right, um, you all taking on, I guess, the invoice, right? And and then the invoice getting paid. And some people may say, which you mentioned earlier too, about factoring. They're wondering, well, that just sounds like factoring. That's right? true. I, right? I already do that, right? right? So I've already heard of that. Could, could you talk sure. about the difference Why it's different? Between... Yeah, we right. joke that factoring is the F word in right. our office. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people that use it would agree with me. Right. <laughs> um, so typically with factoring, there's two types of factoring. Um, true factoring is actually a service that is rarely accessible to small businesses. It's very commonly used by larger businesses, and it would be folks like Wells Fargo and BB&T and CI. IT, and they will typically buy that invoice at a discount, right? They'll give you 80%. Mm-hmm. And then when and if the customer pays is their risk. However, your fee varies based on when that customer pays. So if the customer pays in maybe 20 days, your fee might be one number. But if they take 40 days, your your fee is much larger. Ah. And so you're still bearing the risk of that customer when they pay because your fee goes up. And so it's priced a little bit more like a loan. It's got interest attached to it. In... In recourse factoring, which is what most small businesses use that is factoring, there's an added cost, which is not only does your fee go up the longer the customer takes to pay, but if the customer doesn't pay by a certain date, that gets charged back to you, mm. oh, which wow. means it's a loan in a very expensive, expensive loan. loan. Yeah. So now account is different from both of those because you pay a flat merchant fee. So if your invoice if says net 30, just, right. it is a one-time 3% fee. Even though that customer will probably not pay for 60 days, they might take 75 days or 90 days, it's still that one-time 3% fee. And what we find with most small businesses is it's it's, it's it's the unknown that kills you. So right. not knowing what something's going to cost is really challenging to manage. Right. Right. But if you know it's just a one-time right. 3% fee, you can plan for Absolutely. that. You might even Definitely. charge that through to your customer. Right. Um, the other thing that is very different is that when you use factoring, you book the, the money you receive, you book as cash, and you book an offsetting liability. Because you may owe that back. Right. Okay. Sure. Or once you determine what the fee is, you owe some portion of it back. Right. With now account, when you use your now account, you book your revenue as cash, but you don't book a liability, you book an expense, 3%, because you know it's you 3%. Know that's right. So it's completely off balance sheet. And as you guys know, as a business grows, if your balance sheet has a lot of cash, mm-hmm. no accounts receivable, but no debt or liability, then you have all the flexibility in the world to go down to your local bank and get other facilities to help you finance inventory and equipment and facilities. Absolutely. But if you have a bunch of liabilities on your balance sheet, you can't get those loans because your balance sheet doesn't support it. So fixed fee, 
no liability on your balance sheet. And then just tactically, typically with factoring, you have to sign a term contract, typically a one or a two year contract during which you have to give them everything. And that used to frustrate me because if you have a customer that's willing to give you a credit card, why should I have to run it through the factor and pay the fee? With now account, you can choose which customers to use your now account with. So you have the flexibility to run your business the way you like, and there's not a term contract. So it's just better. So then what's the uh, life cycle of a typical client or a typical life cycle of a client? Yeah. So most clients actually don't leave us um, ever. It's like a long term. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I have to say that actually surprised me. I thought when we started the company, I thought when you got to the point where you needed more than a million dollars at any one time, you would graduate us and you would go down to the bank and get an asset bad loan. Um, what we're finding is businesses, if you start using now account and you're used to waiting 40, 60 days to yeah. get paid and you get paid in two, mm-hmm. your yeah. world changes right. Absolutely, and you start growing aggressively. I mean, imagine walking in and taking that contract with Coca-Cola or the federal government because you know you're getting paid in two days. They right. don't know that. Exactly. Right. So you can now negotiate larger contracts. So what happens is like we have a client that came to us a couple of years ago at a million in revenue and they'll do over 20 million this year. In like wow. two years. Whoa. And it's because they're aggressively taking these larger contracts. And so they could now go get other mm-hmm. facilities right. and they do. Mm-hmm. They go get other, you know, loans or lines of credit, but they don't stop using their now account. And it's because they're like, it's so easy. Right. And it's so flexible. And why would I give it up if I don't have to? And now account really is an and to your other bank facilities. You don't have to trade one out for the other. I love it. It's an and. It's an and, not an or. It's Nobody an wants an or. Right. Unless you're rowing a boat. Or? Exactly. Right, right. No, 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 no. It's an or. Or? Why would I give you a dollar to get another dollar? Right, That's just exactly. trading dollars. Right. Exactly. And the beauty of that is that that's what you want to do is build that relationship and have that for longevity. Absolutely. And it builds confidence in those small businesses. And well, and the reality is, you know, small businesses are not miniature large businesses. Um, and last week we were talking earlier, I was out yes. in Palm Springs at ENY's Strategic Growth Forum and the CEO of Adobe spoke. And he had been in my shoes not that long ago. He oh. was an Entrepreneur of the Year finalist. Um, and I thought, wow, Adobe, I mean, that's just right. a massive company. Exactly. And he made an interesting point. He said, remember, every business starts as a zero billion dollar company. Zero like billion. A zero billion dollar. I am a zero billionaire. That's right. I'm a zero billionaire. But what he was saying is, you know, I look at our clients and they're amazing and they do the coolest things that we don't even think about, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they manufacture widgets and they have marketing agencies and they're staffing companies and they clean the Atlanta airport and they just do like, they're the heroes of our economy. Right. And I love the title of your podcast because they really, the, they are the engine of the economy and they have no fuel. Yay. Right. And so watching them go from a million to doing 20 minutes, that's phenomenal. Absolutely. It is. I mean, they're, they could be the next Adobe and be a non-zero billion dollar company, be a something right. billion something dollar billion company. Dollar company. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk about this. EY, Entrepreneurial Winning yes. Women, that you were recognized as. That is phenomenal. They are a program that identifies ambitious women, uh, with entrepreneurs who lead and thrive organizations such as yours, the now, uh, to support them in, and they reach their full potential, leading market innovators. They have access to advisors, uh, resources, which is something that yeah. our UGA SBDC also provides and likes to, 
give back into the small business community. So while you were basking in the sun, there was no basking. Paul- <laughs> I was basking in a conference room. <laughs> I'm sorry. Under the heat, there was a window somewhere. There was a in pool Palm outside that someone might bask at. <laughs> the non-basking. So it was a non-basking <laughs> Palm That's Springs right. weekend. That's right. Okay, so you were there this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little about that. Tell us what it yeah. means to you to be recognized as such. Well, I mean, I have to say I'm always cynical about programs. And I think a lot of us are, especially entrepreneurs, you get so busy working in your business that every time these things come up, you're like, oh, I just don't have time. And I said that several times, you know, people like, oh, you should, you know, let me nominate you for this. Oh, I just don't have time. And finally, um, Chevy Arnold at ENY said, really, this is different. You have to let us nominate you for this. You have to apply. And so I had met the other 12 women about a month ago. And I was just shocked. I was in awe of what these women are doing. And it's everything from, you know, nutritious uh, bars, a company called Cooley Cooley, to organic freezer pops for children, to weighted blankets. I mean, these women are finding needs in their community and in their family and they're coming up with solutions and they're, they're, they're taking the chance on it and they're Mm -hmm. just getting started. But what's interesting about the entrepreneurial winning women program is it's not really for startups. It's for scale ups. Mm -hmm. And as you guys know, you know, starting a business is one thing, but scaling it is really, really hard. So tell us about that. What are, you know, what is, what does scaling mean? I'm from Florida. Okay. Scaling to you me know means what basking fish. is. We're cleaning fish. <laughs> We're cleaning fish. That's right. De-scaling. So descaling. They That's know right. the D was That's silent. Right. That's right. It was scaling. <laughs> Thank right. you, Paul. <laughs> so, so tell us what does scaling yeah. a business mean for you and give us your, you know, the components of that and best practices yeah. or components of those. So, you know, when you start your business, um, the world is full of optimism. I mean, you only see yourself on the cover of Forbes yeah, like so I did correct. with, you know, with the my nourish. Right. You know, you see all the possibilities and you're fueled every day by the energy and the excitement of the possibilities. And, you know, getting started has probably never been easier and history because there's access to resources like the SBDC. There's access to relatively low cost technology to mock things up and 3D printers. And, you know, if you have an idea, it's never been easier to get a little prototype and get a couple of orders and start selling. But when you start to scale, it's really uncomfortable. So think of a scale up as a teenager. Teenagers are just awkward looking, right? Like they haven't grown into their arms right. and their feet yet. <laughs> their ears, they got right. acne all over their face, right? I mean, it's just Wait a minute. That's just for teenagers? I know. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm a 50-year-old <laughs> teenager. Right. Yes, me too. <laughs> but, you know, there's something to be said for never growing up. Yeah, that's a good yeah, that's thing. Right. Good. People used to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I'm not growing up. Right. Exactly. Um, and, but I think when you reach that scale up stage, you start to reach enough scale where your customers expect continuity. They expect consistency. Yes. They expect streamlined processes and the same energy that got you to the startup isn't always that same energy that can just right. blast you into scale. And so, you know, as a founder, it's a, it's a, it's a lonely time. It's a frustrating time mm-hmm. because everything that worked that got you there right. doesn't seem the to be working anymore. Right. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, is this thing broken? Well, it's not broken. It's just morphine. And, you know, when the caterpillar becomes a butterfly, it can't do mm-hmm. some of the things it could do before, but it can do new things. Right. 
So I think what the Entrepreneurial Winning Women program does is it really brings resources together. One, it's other people living your life. Correct. And I don't know why you feel better when other people have the same pain as you, but you do. You just do. Commiserate is that. Why is that? Why is that? We we feel so much better that everyone else is going through the same problems I am. But it also just gives you access to resources to start to formalize some of your processes. And how do you manage your people through that change in culture? You know, to go from being a $5 million or a $10 million company to a $50 million, $100 million, a $100 billion company, um, those just require different skill sets. And so I think the, the program, it inspired me. Um, not just because people were going through the same pain as right. me, although that did make me feel good. Right. Um, but it inspires you to see people who went through that pain and they came out ahead. It shows you that you don't give up. So does, does it also give you a greater sense of purpose and uh, connection with them? Because not only are they startups and entrepreneurs, but they're also women. Well, for sure. And I think, you know, I think the, the entrepreneurial winning women program really grew out of ENY has um, what they call the entrepreneur of the year, which is kind of the gold standard for entrepreneur awards. And I think over time as that program was growing and having such a huge impact, I mean, several of those winners are now those billion dollar companies. Right. They recognized that maybe there were some groups that were somewhat underrepresented, including women and minorities. And, Absolutely. and so what could they do to sort of build the field system? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if you don't do anything, they might never get there. But if right. you just reach out with some of those resources, um, then some of the folks like women, minorities, et cetera, could also be finalists and ultimately winners in, in those programs. Um, and so it's not too dissimilar from what you guys do at the SBDC, which is, you know, entrepreneurs are walking all around Absolutely. with great ideas. They right. just don't know where to start. Absolutely. They don't know where to go next. But if you give them the tools, they can do amazing things. This Absolutely. is true. And and one of one of the things I noticed in um, one of your write ups um, along those same lines is you know like a lot of people walk around and talk about what they want to do right what to do but you talk about so what that's right, right? Well, why, why does that's it even right. matter what you want to do so could you talk about kind of your thoughts yes around, you know so I I learned this probably midway through my career and I wish I'd known it earlier when I started my career I can remember as a as a college student everybody saying do what you're passionate about and while that motivated most of the room it frustrated the heck out of me because I was sitting there going I don't know what I'm passionate about right. not that I have nothing I have too many things there's right. lots of things I'm passionate <laughs> oh about oh my goodness she and, speaks wow. to my heart and, and there you go and so I just kept sitting there thinking oh my god what do I pick I mean I'm passionate about children and health and right. sport like all these things how do, you choose? How do I right. pick yeah. and So I started my career really focusing on what I was doing. And then somewhere along the way, what I realized is the what shouldn't matter because what really motivates you is the so what, the impact that you have. And what I started to realize is that entrepreneurs who anchor on the what, they actually don't ever get through that scale up phase because they don't listen. Mm. And you don't realize it, but you know, if I had designed this bottle of water and I showed it to you and you said, Oh, Laura, that's very interesting. You know how you could improve it. Well, if my ego is in the what, what am I immediately going to do? I'm going to defend it. I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh. What do you mean it can be better? Did you not see my beautiful (laughs) invention? How much time and money I put into that? That's right. So your brain immediately becomes defensive and you stop listening. But if my, if my ego, if my passion is in, um, nourishing people yes. and you were to say, I can improve that. I'm all ears. Oh, really? How? You make it better. I can make it better. So if you, if you 
acknowledge to yourself, like with now account, you could change anything about now account tomorrow. And I wouldn't care because I'm not that passionate about finance mm, or, gotcha. I mean, everybody's passionate about but, cash about flow. money, right? That's right. right. But you but, went but, to the Harvard business school. That's right. How can you not know? That, but, but you know, well, everybody says cash is king. Yes. Well, flow is queen. And if you've ever played chess, you don't Ooh, get anywhere without flow. I like it. So I am passionate about flow. Yes, ma'am. And so, but I think if your passion is in the impact, like my passion is helping fast growing companies grow sustainably and not grow to death. And that's my passion because I went through the pain of that happening. Mm. And a lot of us develop passion that way, right? I mean, we might have an illness and we have a real passion for preventing that illness or helping people. Um, you know, typically when we go through a painful experience, we want to prevent other people from going right. through it. Absolutely. So that's my passion that you can't change. So if what you want to change about now account means you change the impact on the client, so- I'm out. But as long as we're helping the client grow sustainably, if somebody has an idea to improve, I'm all in. Yeah. So I think you really, you know, I wish if we could take young people and focus them on finding not what they're passionate about, but the so what that they are really passionate about. What do you care about? What brings you to tears? What do you just, what speaks to your heart? Like you said, then the what doesn't matter. There's lots of what's you could do as long as you're making that difference. And, And I think that's, Probably the challenge with social media, like in particular, right. talk about younger people. And I heard a quote somewhere that said, "You know, social media makes entrepreneurship seem easy, right?" But I think it kind of makes a lot to, of things seem yeah, easy, right, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> but it connects with that passion piece: is that right. just find your passion and just just go do it, right? Versus kind of really thinking. And through. people get stressed, yeah. like, "Why? Oh right. my gosh, why don't I have a great idea? Why don't right. I have? Right. You know, you don't wake up pressure. one day and just yeah. have a great idea. You you focus more on noticing things. Right. So most great ideas do not come from what you know." And I know that's kind of an inconvenient truth because a lot of us spend a lot of money and know a lot of right. stuff. <laughs> there you, you know, go. If right. you have a PhD, I'm sorry. Right. You spend a lot of years learning a lot of stuff. Right. But your greatest idea never comes from what you know. It comes from what you notice. Mm-hmm. And so noticing mm-hmm. things in your life, noticing things that could be better, right? When you're brushing your teeth and you're like, dang, that toothbrush, that, that's noticing. There's right. an improvement right. to be had there. And so I think most of us have the ability to notice things. We just don't know what to do with it. Right. And unless right. we have someone like an SBDC or a mentor or someone else who's been through the process to say, here's step one, just get started. Right. You can't make a wrong step with step one, by the right. way. <laughs> You know, most people are like, most people are like, I don't know whether to choose A or B. And I'm like, okay, you are at the starting line. Like you can't be wrong yet. Just do something. Okay. So Laura, I want to go back just a little bit because you have such a history of so many great things. Like you said, you were so passionate about so many things and so talented about so many things. And the creativity is just overwhelming. It's just unmedicated ADD. I need some of that. I need to increase my dosage. So, but you've been recognized internationally as a speaker on creativity, innovation, and access to capital. You have been on the Eagle Japan program. You have a background in engineering. You've worked with Shaquille O'Neal or for with and Mike Piazza on developing shoe or athletic I apparel i mean like what what what's where when? if you were to draw my career it looks like someone tripped and spilled spaghetti onto a plate <laughs> my children we love spaghetti but right. but you know what life to me especially when i talk to young people they're always like i don't know what i want to do and i said you know what life is a series of figuring out what you don't want to do and 
I think sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to plan exactly where we want to go. The the best path from A to B is not always a straight line. No. And when I think back on my life, the things that have had the biggest impact on me were the things I almost had no intention of doing, where I just took a chance. And I remember you mentioned Japan. You know, I was at Georgia Tech studying aerospace engineering. I had a plan. And let me tell you, when I shared it with adults, they were impressed. So I just right. kept saying it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be the first female professor in aerospace engineering. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. I got great validation. So it's like, ooh, Pete, that one. It must be right. Must be right. And so um, at one point, I was on a track scholarship at Georgia Tech as well. Okay. And my advisor came to me and she said, Laura, there's this really cool program the Defense Department's doing. They're going to select 20 engineers to study in Japan. And I am certain I looked at her like she had a horn in the middle of her head <laughs> because I thought, where in the world? That is not on the Lara plan. Right. Have you seen? <laughs> right. Have you heard right. the, the Lara, Lara plan? Right. Right. Because let me reiterate it to you. Nowhere on there does it have me going off to Japan. <laughs> to Japan right. And I never even honestly left the country I, oh, other wow. than to go to Niagara Falls when I was growing up. So, you know, I grew up in a family where we loaded the station wagon and went to grandmother's house for oh, the summer. There was nice. no... No international travel. Right. right. And so I remember her looking at me and she said, Laura, when will you ever get a chance to do something you would never do? And there are very few times where I can't at least make up an answer and I didn't have, <laughs> to have one. And I thought, hmm. So I went back and it kind of bothered me that I didn't have an answer. And I thought, you know, she's right. Like, here I am. I've got this opportunity to go do something I would never do. Um, if you have no expectations, it certainly... Should right. live up to them, right? Exactly. right? I mean, <laughs> you have zero below, expectations. No you can't be right. below. And so I applied and I got selected and, you know, I had to study Japanese and oh, off nice. I, yeah, and off I went to the other side of the world and I had to sign an agreement that I would speak no English. So I can tell you with oh great certainty that really? my, oh, really? Oh, you know how I know? My charades got really good. <laughs> When you are in a small town in Japan and nobody speaks English and you do not speak Japanese, your charades wow. will get really good. Oh my good. goodness. And, but, it, but you know what? It was the experience. It was the first time I learned a lot about myself. I was so uncomfortable. I was, I mean, talk about comfort zone. I wasn't just outside of my box. There was no, I couldn't even find it anymore. It was on the right. other side of the world. Right. My right. box was still back, back in, in Atlanta. Tech, right. And, and so, but I learned a lot about myself. I learned about you. how I dealt with adversity. I learned about how it felt to be different. I got a chance to look back on our culture in the U.S. from a totally different set of eyes. And I came back and I thought, you know what? I don't want to do that plan anymore. You were scaling. I was life. scaling. You absolutely. Were. As a person, yes. I was scaling and it was uncomfortable. Um, but I think that's so important at some point in your life to do things you would never do. And to be honest, it's easier to do them when you're younger because yeah. you don't have a lot of, you know, things yeah. tying you down. Right. It'd be hard right. for me to do that. You know, and you're not mom, as set in your ways. Just, uh, right. Set in your right. Experience. So I always tell people, you know, um, when you look at my career and I went from consulting to starting a, a shoe company with Shaquille O'Neal to starting a bottled water company, all of that is because I had just great experiences and adventures in life. And I thought, why not? Wow. Why not do it? So we go from right now to and. That's right. right to <laughs> so what? <laughs> to why not? Right. There you go. I right. love it. My entire life is a right. series of two <laughs> words. <laughs> I'm going to start using right. these at work. Right. When Absolutely. Nepal asks something, I'm going to go and. And. <laughs> How do you think that? that? So what? <laughs> so what? <laughs> gotcha. Um, no, go ahead. So let me ask this. 
with E and Y, um, a lot of this year's high growth companies, they um, showed, you know, technology. They were primarily in technology. I know you, I know you come from the engineering background, but was that a consideration for you or did that kind of trans, transform into such with all of the technology that has developed over the years yeah. and generationally? Uh, is that something you thought about previously or have you kind of, you know, just, governed your business yeah. or thought process accordingly. Right. You know, for me, technology is an enabler. And again, it goes back to the what and the so what. I Throughout my career, you know, I've had the great fortune to be involved in organizations that were at the forefront of different technologies evolving. And I think there's some people who see the technology and immediately they're like, oh, that's so cool. And they, they become married to the technology. But what they forget is the technology doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but for human behavior. Absolutely. If it's not making somebody's life better or easier, it really is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the hi history is strewn with great technologies that never did anything because they and they were the best, right? right? I mean, Betamax versus the, you know, VHS and videos. Atari versus Atari, Nintendo. Right. right. And so, so it's not just if you, if you're constantly saying, but my technology is the best, right. that doesn't matter. That's like a solution looking for a problem right. as opposed to starting with the problem, starting with the human need and then evolving the solution. Technology is always the enabler. And if, if you're doing what you're doing just for the sake of cool technology, that makes for a great hobby, but mm -hmm. not a great business. Right. And there's a big difference. Hobbies cost money and businesses right. make, make money. money. I love it. And so, you know, it's, it's a constant for those of us that do like technology. It's a constant sort of, um, exercise to make sure that you're keeping technology in its place. Mm -hmm. Because if technology starts to drive you, I, it, it rarely is successful. Absolutely. And, and that kind of reminds me, you know, because we see so many clients come through the door and, and like I say, they want the greatest, latest and greatest technology. Absolutely. And sometimes we have to break down the conversation is, okay, what are, what are you actually trying to accomplish? Why? Right. Do Why I... do you want the technology? What are you trying to accomplish? <laughs> yeah. And is there another way to accomplish that sure. without spending $50,000, right, right, with the developer? Is there... A, kind of a back-end yeah. solution that, you know what I mean? Well, and, and so you know, it's interesting you mentioned social media. Um, there's a gentleman that I've known for years, and, and we were having a conversation about innovation. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, it's interesting, you can trace society, civilization, through a series of innovations, and usually it alternates. You'll have sort of a human innovation, and then you'll have like a technology innovation, and then another human innovation. And when you think about human innovations, yeah. you think about things like the Renaissance, right? Mm -hmm. Arts and culture, okay. and mm -hmm. yes. um, and then technology kind of enables that differently, and then the culture Goes evolves away. again. Right. But he made an interesting point. We've accelerated technology innovation so fast that if you look at recent history, they stopped alternating. And mm -hmm. it was just technology, 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 it's instead true. of technology, right. human, technology, human. And I think when that happens, the technology makes us less human. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any of us with children, we look at the challenges of social media and, and there's so many great things about what technology can do right. co to connect us. But if it gets too far ahead of us, it can be detrimental. It makes us right. dehumanized, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, now I look at people and that, that's not so, that's anti-social media. Right. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's driving people to be more seclusive and, 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 and not interacting with humans. And when we do interact with humans, we're not very nice anymore. No, right. we're not. Right. So, we don't know what to so say. Yeah. So yeah. I think we need another evolution of human innovation right. where, you know, we go back to the basics of just being nice and respectful to your neighbor. Absolutely. Right. 
because we've just lost that. Yeah. Yeah. And and it kind of reminds me, getting around the concept, even the conversation around entrepreneurship, things like companies with great customer service. Yes. Most people aren't calling and saying, oh, they had a great phone system, right? Right. (laughs) It was like, had this great experience with this customer service agent, right, who took care of my need or. And isn't that amazing that that is so rare now that it changes your day? Right. Absolutely. I mean, isn't that kind of funny? If you get a handwritten thank you note from somebody, you feel like you should frame it. Wait. I mean, like, that is like those anymore? More rare than a gold cube, right? Right. Uh, You're like, what? People do that? Or to your point, I mean, you, when you walk out of your day and someone gave you great service, you remember it all day. I think that's awesome, but I think it's also a little bit sad that it's so extraordinary that someone actually said hello to you and looked you in the eye. Looked you in the eye. Not even said hello, just looked you in the eye and gave you contact or acknowledgement that my time, your time is important enough for me to give it to you. I try to spend a lot of time with my son on that, you know, when he's with me and we're experiencing something, whether it's as simple as the grocery store and the person's ringing up your, I will always say, are you having a good day? How is your day? And the smile that lights up their face and they just start talking to you. And I always point out to my son, that just changed both of our days. Absolutely. And yet I didn't have to say anything. Absolutely. Right? I mean, there was nobody required a conversation. Right. And I could have gone on with no conversation and no one would have been worse off, but they wouldn't have been better off either. So it's like, go out of your way. And I think entrepreneurs are in such a great position to do that. Absolutely. Because our day is very fluid, you know, right. and if you work at a big company, chances are you might go and sit in your cube and you're, you can only interact with a handful of people, but entrepreneurs are out there and, and they're willing to put themselves out there. I mean, you're going in and out of meetings, say hi to everybody. Right. Come <laughs> it's on. Just, simple. No. just say hi. <laughs> yeah. I do that all the way up and down our halls and our office. Yes. Hello. I'll yeah, well, give you credit. You know, everybody's and name. And research in shows, <laughs> research shows that your happiest days are the days that you interact with the most people. So not the really? deep interaction, but if if you're walking down the hallway and you're saying hi to 20 people, even if it's just a hi, how's your day going? You will have a happier day. Well, I would have a happier day interacting with the people at the shoe stores. Um, but, you know, at SBDC, would, uh, that's okay, too. But I'm just saying. No comments. <laughs> so aside from that, is there anything that you would love to share with, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs that are out there, not just entrepreneurs, not just women entrepreneurs, uh, not just the tech based entrepreneurs, but any of the small business, anyone in the small business community that's, you know, starting out or yeah. now or come up and coming or looking to scale their sure. business? What yeah, best you practices? Know, I, Especially from the world that I come in, you know, everyday businesses are applying for now account and I, I, I tend to see people that are very, they're nervous about anything related to numbers and money. Um, and I think that's unfortunate. I mm-hmm. think that part of it is because the reality is nobody starts a business because they have a passion for finance and accounting. Right. I mean, I'm sorry if you're a CPA, maybe you do, but (laughs) you know, I mean, if you start a CPA firm, I hope you have a little bit of a passion for finance and accounting, but you know, most people have this passion for something and whether it's shoes or whether it's, you know, healthcare or whether it's, you know, something to make children's lives better, that's what you're passionate about. And the reality is you have to have, the, the, the dollars to fuel your passion Absolutely. and to, and to allow your passion to do all those good things that you envision doing. So, 
you know, the main thing I would tell people is it's okay to not be an expert at that. Mm. Give yourself permission to not be an expert and don't feel bad about it. Find people who do understand it and who do like it and bring them into the fold, whether that's a mentor at the local SBDC, whether it's, you know, someone in your family or a friend that you know, but don't let that keep you from pursuing this Absolutely. great so what that you have in your heart or on your mind or um and and I think if more people went for it and gave themselves permission to not be an expert mm-hmm. it's okay to not be the smartest person in the room that's usually Absolutely. the best room to be in yes um and and it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to take a step towards a when you should have gone towards b you can always correct um but if you don't take the first step you're just always standing at the starting line Absolutely. I like that, and, and that's what I would say, right, for Small Business Development Center, because we're we're educational, right? You're that's such our, a safe first step. Oh Absolutely. my gosh, I wish I'd known about you when I had my business. <laughs> Come see us, right? Absolutely. Yes, it's you're the greatest kept secret in the world that you've now so. revealed because right. you're on the radio. Because you're on the radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our secret is out. Secret Absolutely. is out. But but definitely, like I said, taking that first step to if nothing else, get educated, right? Yeah, you, know, you can't get you're exposed, not in any worse right? position. Absolutely, absolutely. And and then the tools, right? To now yep. move, be able to move forward, and and just be okay with not knowing the answer. I mean, I see right. a lot of people that they're so that they're they're embarrassed that they don't know something or they're afraid to ask that stupid question. The best questions in the world are stupid questions. Wow. They are the best questions in the world. And don't be afraid to ask them. You're not supposed to be an expert at everything. Absolutely not. I wonder what it's like to work in your office. I bet the... (laughs) Your employees and your new hires, do you hire a lot of the uh, entrepreneurial minded type people or do you hire the engineers or do you hire the creativity people or what is it like in there? Both because the greatest, um, you know, I had somebody ask me one time in an interview, if you could put your perfect team together, what would it look like? And I said, well, the one thing I know is it wouldn't look like me because (laughs) I know I'm a pain in the butt. We don't need more of me around. (laughs) You know, a whole team of me would be like a disaster. So, you know, we love building a team that is diverse on all facets, whether it's people who are younger in their career, people who are more, a little more seasoned in their career, people who come from our space, people who have nothing to do with our space. Okay. I'll tell you where I get a lot of folks. If if you give me good service, I will try to recruit you. Nice. And I don't care if you are there bagging my groceries or right. whatever, because you can't teach you that. Go. You can't Absolutely. teach that mindset of, of good service yeah. and work ethic. So um, you know, a lot of times I always tell people, if you're building a team, don't draw boxes and then go hire people for the box. Find like, great people and draw boxes nice. um, and leave the door That's open good. on the box. Don't ever close the box. Nobody wants to be in a box. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's all about all about finding great people. But I think people would also say, you know, it's challenging to work with entrepreneurs. We're a right. little bit nuts. <laughs> we change our just, mind just a little. lot. You know, yeah. we change our mind a lot. Um, but, I, you know. My mindset is when people come to me and say, I can't do what you asked. I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough budget. I don't have enough this. My reaction is always awesome. Go see what you come up with. Because your best ideas happen, your best ideas happen when you lack resources. Mm -hmm. If you have unlimited budget, unlimited time, that's easy. You don't have to be creative. Right. And we all know this because if I gave you an hour to do something, you'd take the hour. If I gave you five minutes, you'd still do it in five (laughs) minutes, probably be better. And that's why I'm so creative at (laughs) the UGA SBDC at Georgia State. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. Everybody's wired differently. Yes, right? yes, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I love but, it. But it's, it's needed, though. I mean, and I think that's crucial. You talk about diversity, right? Absolutely. Diversity of the way people think. Diversity their of work thought style. is absolutely. the most important. Definitely. I mean, diversity pull, pull of those thought. those individuals together. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. 
So good. Well, um, how can we, uh, or as a small business owner, get in touch with you, learn sure. more about you, get connected to, to, to NowCorp? Yeah. So you can go to our website. Um, we have two. They go to the same place, NowAccount, N-O-W-A-C-C-O-U-N-T dot com. Um, also, our company is called NowCorp. So if you hear that, NowCorp.com goes to the same place. Um, you can find us online. You can send us, in, you know, our emails are on there. Our phone numbers are on there. Um, you can stop me as I'm walking down the street, as some people do. You know, <laughs> when I was out in in Palm Springs last week, um, basking in not, the yes, sun. Non-basking. When I was out there, non-basking you know, in the this, sun. For a Florida woman, she's really hooked on the basking. <laughs> right, right. You know. Um, warm sun basking. <laughs> right. Um, so when they introduced the 13 entrepreneurial winning women and they brought us up on stage and it was kind of weird because our faces were all around the walls. Um, but afterwards the best part was this woman came up to me and said, Oh my gosh, I'm one of your clients. Oh, and wow. that happens to me in Atlanta, but not in California very often. And, nice. um, you know, she has this women and minority owned business and just a spitfire. And she said, I saw you up there and I was so proud to see you up there. So, um, I do love it when people. So you know, a spitfire woman, not only do you hire people like you <laughs> or try not to, but That's you right. have clients that oh, are like you. My clients are way better than me. My clients oh. are amazing. You know, if technology is the enabler, I'm the enabler for small businesses. Yeah, and I just love to watch um, my clients do the amazing things that they do. Well, Laura, your tan looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we were are so happy, proud, and uh, just ecstatic that you were able to share your brightness, yes. your creativity, your intelligence, and all your best practices all my with pains. us today. <laughs> right, right, no pain. pains at all. No pains here. Now, when you go back to the office, that's another thing they'll have to deal with. Hey, no, pain no breeds entrepreneurship. That's so if right. I didn't have these battle scars, Absolutely. I wouldn't have had no account. Absolutely. And we're glad that you do. Definitely. So definitely, again, as I said, we, we appreciate you being on here and um, excited that you are uh, one of our resource partners uh, that yeah. we refer out to, to clients uh, from that standpoint. And, and again, we, we want people to know about the great work that, that you all are doing because it, it benefits small businesses uh, to be able to have a resource like Thank this. Um, that there's probably few other places. Um, that can get a resource like That's this. That's right. So. Or are as effective. Yeah, so. absolutely. So please keep up the great work oh, that, that we you will. all are doing. Absolutely. And so this has been another episode of Small Business Fuel hosted by uh, UGA Small Business Development Center at Georgia State University and Business Radio X. And so please tune in for our next episode. 